All right, well, we got some news and notes to talk about. A couple of minor league free agents for the Detroit Tigers to discuss. We're also going to talk about free agency. A couple, it's moving full speed ahead. We got more and more signings every day, what that means for the Detroit Tigers. And then we're going to continue the conversation yesterday about what the Tigers' outlook is and now the remainder of free agency after acquiring Canna and Kenta Maeda. All right, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. Uh, be sure to check out the SiriusXM app as well. You can just search any team name, and when they're playing a game, you will get their home radio broadcast straight from the app. It's super cool, super cool feature, super cool app. Uh, all righty, well, we are back. Hope everyone is having a fantastic start to their week. Happy Tuesday. Uh, so today we are going to discuss a few things. We have some minor league signings we'll talk about. Like I said, uh, we're going to take a look at the free agency market. And just like there's a lot of signings that are happening more and more every day, specifically on the starting pitching side of things. But there's some hitters thrown in there as well. And as the Tigers are still very much a team that has the budget and the just like roster space to continue bringing in free agents if they so please. We're going to kind of talk about what the market could look like for Detroit the remainder of the winter after the Kenta Maeda move yesterday and obviously Mark Canna a few weeks ago now already. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Imanaga a little bit more uh, and then we will at the end just again kind of talk about the, the ripple effect of what Kenta Maeda could mean for the Detroit Tigers going forward. We talked about, we touched on that a little bit yesterday, but we'll continue that conversation today, kind of in the scope of like the free agent market as it stands right now and, and what the Tigers could accomplish. So let's start off with some news and notes. Uh, the minor league signings for the Detroit Tigers. One is a familiar face and name, and one is not uh, the newest member of the Tigers system. The Tigers organization is now Ryan Velotti. Valade, Valadi, Valade. Uh, he is a, I guess I would call him utility player uh, that has, he is still only 24 years old, will be 25 next season, turns 25 in February. Former second round pick back in 2017, uh, was drafted straight out of high school. And yeah, I mean, he has been a minor leaguer for most, uh, I mean, he's played three games at the major league level in his career, uh, played them for the Colorado Rockies in 2021, did not record a hit in his seven plate appearances. Uh, and yeah, so he's, he's been a career minor leaguer so far, but again, still has some youth on his side there, only being 24 years old. So far in the minors, he his career minor league slash line is a 279 average, a 360 OVP, and a 405 slugging percentage. That's a 965 OPS. Uh, yeah, I mean, the general consensus is like he has decent bat-to-ball skills. Uh, he walks a lot, which is very on-brand for the Scott Harris regime and era. Uh, he doesn't have low strikeout numbers, but they're not like astronomically bad. Uh, and Yeah, like pretty decent batting average, walks a lot, just doesn't have too much power. 
and has kind of ended up playing a bunch of different positions. The Tigers, uh, I mean, there's talks that they're going to play him at third base. Uh, he's played corner outfield. He's played center field. He's played shortstop. He has played everywhere. So, like, it, it's pr probably like the least surprising signing ever, uh, just given the profile, right? This is a dude that has played like five, six, seven different positions as a professional, and he walks a lot, and he has decent bat to ball skills. Does that sound like the epitome of a Scott Harris minor league signing? I think it probably does. So uh, as far as, you know, I, I've seen some, some opinions out there. As far as like this dude getting a legitimate look at the major league level, I I wouldn't hold my breath about it. I, I he it sounds like he uh, the plan I think is to give him a spring spring training invite. Uh, sure, I'm I'm down to to throw. We'll talk about third base a little bit more later on in the show as well. But uh, I mean, we, we've seen so many of these moves uh, just in the Scott Harris era alone. So many of these like depth kind of signings, and we've talked about them. Like none of them are revolutionary none of them are going to completely like change the organization I, i'm not expecting Vlad to to play Vladi uh to play major league baseball for the detroit tigers in 2024 uh but i think the game plan and the thought process is we want everyone to fit the mold that we are trying to create and the identity rather that we are trying to create as an organization and that means that even your your minor league signings that that don't really have a legitimate inside edge to be major league baseball players, those guys fit the bill and, and fit the mold and fit the identity of what you're trying to accomplish on offense, the same as the superstars. That's how identities are created. That's the whole point. So uh, I, uh, again, I don't expect him to, to really like be legitimately in the mix. Uh, if there's a couple of injuries or if Matt Beerling really struggles or if Chase Young's not ready, you know, if they're yeah, fifth, sixth, seventh in command, maybe. Uh, maybe he gets an opportunity at some point. We'll see what kind of year he has, but needs to uh, needs to work on the power, some untapped power that he has not been able to reach as a professional. Uh, so there you go. There's the newest member of the Tigers organization there. I would imagine that he will play in Toledo. Uh, but yeah, minor league free agent signing with an invite to spring training, it sounds like. I don't know if that's been officially reported, but it sounds like he'll have the invite to spring. Um, and then we have Garrett Hill, the return of Garrett Hill. Uh, Garrett Hill was signed to a minor league contract. He will not be put on the 40-man roster. Last week, he was just removed from the 40-man ro roster and non-tendered. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is semi-standard practice, I would say, right? Like, you you take a look at, uh, at somebody that gets non-tendered, is still relatively young, you like the stuff. It's not totally uncommon for teams to do this and non-tender them, get them off the 40-man, but then still keep them in the organization. It's like, obviously that's what they're doing with Garrett Hill just has serious command issues. Uh, had, had an eight K per nine and an eight walk per nine for the Detroit Tigers in 15 and two thirds innings and 11, five ERA at the, or a nine, one, nine ERA. Sorry. is 11, five was his RA nine. Um, yeah, just very, very a whip over two. uh, struggled at the major league level in the minors was, uh, a six ERA like he, he, uh, he just has such substantial command issues that he needs to iron out. He's 27 years old. We'll see what happens, but uh, he has been brought back and he will be in the Tigers minor league system to start off the year. I can't imagine he'll be on the major league team uh, early on in the season, at least probably more of a depth kind of safety net type of move there. Okay. Let's talk about free agency. 
shall we? Uh, we got a lot to kind of go over in this regard. Like I, I just, maybe not a lot of like moves specifically, but there's a lot of thoughts that are just like running around in my head at a million miles an hour after some of the signings. Uh, we've already talked about Aaron Nola. Sonny Gray on Monday signed a three-year deal with the St. Louis Cardinals, 24-25 mil AAV, I believe. That's that's a lot of money for uh, a guy that's 34, uh, going to be 35 years old. But he also was one of the best pitchers in the American League this year. So uh, respect, good for Sonny Gray. Uh, but like Kyle Gibson signs a one-year deal with the Cardinals. We talked about that a little bit. Lance Lynn also with the Cardinals. Maybe it's just a Cardinals thing. Uh, and then obviously now Kenta Maeda is a Detroit Tiger. So you have a little bit of movement here on the starting pitching market. And with some bigger names, you know, the Japanese pitchers we've been talking about a lot, Yamamoto and uh, and Shota are, are both now on the – have been posted by their teams. So they are officially on the free agent market. Uh, you, so the teams have to pay a posting fee as well as obviously the contract to the players. And there's still names out there. Obviously, Otani's the big one. If you want to classify him as DH or a starting pitcher or whatever, but like he he's out there, probably won't pitch in 2024. Uh, but like Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Brandon Woodruff now, Marcus Stroman, right? Like there's obviously Erod, Michael Waka, Seth Lugo has been tied to the Tigers a little bit. Like there's a, there's a lot of names still out there, and I just want to really lay down what the Tigers' needs still are, uh, right? Like, we've made a couple of moves now. What needs do the Tigers still have? Have they shifted, and how have those signings led us to where we are now about what could potentially happen in the future? Okay? We will talk about all of that right after I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. We talk about FanDuel all the time here, and you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is truly no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but like that, that NFL individual player award race is really heating up. The MVP could really go to a plethora of guys. Uh, I think there's a chance that like we see the first ever wide receiver MVP in the history of football. Like Tyreek Hill's been that good this year. If he can stay healthy, I know he's had some injury stuff, but like he's going to be in the mix. Obviously, all the good quarterbacks are always in the mix for MVP. Like there, there's so much going on. Obviously, a lot of team props as well. There is truly no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow with our offseason content continuing to roll. Also, Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's very, very cool. Be sure to check it out and subscribe today. Uh, so 
we talked about Kenta Maeda a lot yesterday, and we talked more about Maeda, the pitcher. A little bit at the end there, we talked about the ramifications and kind of the ripple effect that his signing could cause. But I, I think it's important to take a little bit of a step back here and, and just talk about what do we still need. We went into this offseason, and there were conversations about, okay, well, the Tigers probably could use a corner outfielder. Got it. Okay, well, they need innings. They need starting pitchers. Got at least one, right? What else are we still on the table for? What else are the Tigers still looking for now as they slowly start to check boxes off of a checklist of, of what they need? Um, th there's a couple of locks that we've never needed and continue to not need, and that is uh, shortstop, as much as people hate to hear it and always give me for some reason, as if I gave him the contract or have anything to do with the decision, uh, the, whenever I say it, but like Javi Baez is the shortstop of this team next year, okay? I want him to hit better too. It was an absolute train wreck of a season. It's been a train wreck of a Tigers tenure. He has not been good, Okay but he will be the shortstop on opening day in 2024, whether you or I like it or not. Okay. So that is uh that's a lock first base. You don't have to go out and get another addition at first base, even though Torkelson could certainly be a lot better defensively at first base. Uh, you, you don't have to go get a new one. Okay. Outfield. I think you're done. I think you're done with outfield for the remainder of the off season. Uh, uh, we can have some conversations about like, I know like, some people want to take a look at like Solaire uh, and, and take a look at like adding a power bat. Uh, Solaire is a cannon of an arm as well. Like there, there are, I, I know that there's some, some wiggle room to have a conversation about that. I, I don't think there's room at this point. You have a plethora of outfielders, specifically corner outfielders. If anything, if you really wanted to bring in an outfielder, they better be able to play center. That would give you at least a little bit more depth here, but like you have a ton. You have you have Kerry Carpenter can play corner outfield. Mark Canna now, who can play corner outfield. You have Riley Green, who when he's healthy, you're going to put him in corner outfield. Parker Meadows is the opening day center fielder, and Akil Badu is in that conversation as well. Obviously, like you 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 have a a lot, and like Matt Veerling <laughs> is obviously played outfield majority last season. Now we'll talk about Veerling in a second when we get to third base. That's six guys. Not all of them are going to be on the opening day roster. I think we talked about it earlier. I think Akil Badu is probably still, unfortunately, the odd man out. I think he's going to have a really interesting offseason. Uh, but I, I I think that that's just the reality of the situation. You, you went out and you addressed it. You got Mark Canna, who, who's been a really solid hitter uh, over the last several seasons, has high walk numbers, high floor type of guy. And, and I don't think you're in the market for outfield at this point. Okay. We already talked about the infield. The only really, and then catcher, obviously, like Jake Rogers, and you picked up the option on, option on Carson Kelly, and you added Dingler to the 40-man roster. You're not going to be in the market to go get a catcher. So that leaves two holes offensively. We'll talk about pitching here in a second. That leaves two holes, second base and third base. Second base, we had a whole episode dedicated to kind of like the, the second base position and whatnot, uh, what, third base as well uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm a very strong believer that Colt Keith is going to be this team's second baseman on opening day. And if everything goes to plan, the, the entire 2024 season. Okay. So I don't think they're, they're going to be in the market to go bring in a starting second baseman, unless I have completely read the situation wrong, which is very possible. I, I, I say it all the time. I've been wrong plenty before and I'll be wrong again. Um, but I, I really do think that Colt Keith's going to at least get a legitimate look at second base this year. So that leaves third base. 
We did a whole episode a couple of weeks ago dedicated to the third base position. We looked at all the free agents. We talked about Matt Chapman. We talked about Jamer Candelario. I don't think either of those is happening. I'm not really mad that neither of those is happening. Um, but there's also not a ton of fantastic third base options outside of those two out there. Uh, the third base market, I mean, Justin Turner, I guess, but he hasn't played third base a lot lately. He's pushing 40. He's 39, going to be 40. And then after that, you get into like Gio Urshela, Josh Donaldson, Evan Longoria, like kind of elder statesmen that didn't have great years. I, uh, I, I, I think, and that's where we get we transition into starting pitching. I think that you can, and this is also again something we talked about a little bit at the end of the show yesterday, and we'll go more in depth here. I think that this is an opera. This is simple, like economics, really. Uh, and, and like I, I was not a great student. Okay, there's certainly certainly far smarter people out there than me in the world. I'm very aware of that. But um, supply and demand, baby, and, and, and surplus. Like, if, if the Tigers have proven that they can develop starting pitching, and they have proven that they can get solid, above-replacement-level innings out of people that we do not expect them to get that out of. They have proven that time and time again in the Fetter and Hinch era, Right. And it's only gotten gotten better, obviously, since bringing on Lund and, and Juan Nieves. So the Tigers are in a really interesting position where, where they continue to bring in starting pitchers with the uh, understanding that they need more innings. If you keep doing it and you just keep bringing in, well, let's play the market, right? We have said a billion times this free agency class we've been saying it since like last March. We've been saying, we said at the trade deadline, we've been saying it all October and now into November and almost December. The hitting free agent class is not good. It's not strong. It's very, very, very thin. Okay. And the pitching market this year for free agency is deep and there is some big talent out there. And if you already, if your strong suit is more pitching than hitting, no kidding. This has been one of the worst offenses in baseball for about three years now. Certainly the last two. That's what leads me to this thought that I, I said at the end of yesterday's show that some people agreed with and, and some people thought was just, you know, kind of like a dream. But like, I, I really do think that you are in a position now where if you acquire another big name, legitimate starting pitcher, you're in a position where you can then use your, your plethora of pitchers, your abundance of resources, and go out and acquire a third baseman. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. Like, so much sense. So much sense that if we don't do it, I will be somewhat confused. Now, I, I also said this yesterday, I, I'm not in a, you know, like it has to be this way or else it's a failure. Okay. I, I don't think that highly of my own opinion, but like I, I genuinely at this point, if that doesn't happen, I'll be a little, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but I, I, I will be questioned a little bit. I think that you have set yourself up incredibly, but you have to be creative. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break here, right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to uh, Locked on Tigers. Segment three, third and final segment here. 
Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers as always. Uh, okay, so we are talking about just like the creativity in this front office and uh, or maybe so far into the tenure lack thereof. I know some people haven't been uh, too fond of what's happened with the front office up to this point, but uh, I, I feel like they're in a really unique position where the time to attack and strike is right now. Um, so many rebuilds have failed at this exact moment. So many, right? It's very easy to bottom out. It's so easy. The previous regime did it. Okay. It's so easy. It's very easy to, to be bad. The most difficult thing is not the bottoming out and then like, oh, you call up some prospects and it gets a little bit better. Right now, where the Tigers are, is the most crucial point in any rebuild. I had this conversation this time last year with at Lockdown Red Wings. It was the same conversation. When you start trending upwards, that's when everybody gets excited. But you don't just do nothing and continue to trend upwards linearly and then just are like are a really good hockey team, baseball team, whatever. The moves you make right now, when you're around a 500 team and need to get over the hump, are the most vital moves in any rebuild. This is where it happens. And that is so exciting and also unbelievably terrifying. And I I think that the time to strike and make that big move is right now. Now, does that mean that they have to go out and and get Yamamoto? No, I I still think that that's too far-fetched. I, and look, there are plenty of people out there that are really like on that hype train and, and really believe that that's a possibility. I am not one of those people. Uh, I love Yamamoto, the pitcher. Don't get me wrong. I would be ecstatic. I'd be on Woodward with my shirt off in a heartbeat if it was announced that he he was a Tiger, okay? Uh, but I think that that's going to cost about 200 mil, and uh, and I don't see this ownership in this front office uh, breaking the bank on Yamamoto. But somebody will, and he will deserve it. This is not a slight on Yamamoto, the pitcher, whatsoever. Okay, I would love if the Tigers got him. I just don't think that this front office can do it or will do it rather. They can if they wanted to, they could. Don't get it twisted. Should not have said can. Uh, I don't think they will do it. Um, but Shota Imanaga is is someone that I really do think. And, and I know that I, I just I, I keep bringing this guy up and, and people are probably tired of it at this point. Um, but there are. There are, you know, there's legitimate, uh, there's, what do I, how do I word this? There's smoke here, right? Not sure if there's fire, right? I don't know if it's a fog machine or if it's fire creating the smoke, but there's certainly a lot of rumblings about the Tigers being interested in Imanaga. And, uh, and I, I'm interested in, in in Imanaga. He's, he's a good pitcher. Uh, We we did a whole kind of like a little bit more in depth breakdown of him. Was that last week now? Uh, where we talked about kind of his profile. He's a softer thrower, uh, doesn't get like the flashy, you know, like he's not a high velo guy, so he's not as flashy as Yamamoto, doesn't have the super high strikeout numbers, but still has solid strikeouts. Um, But the big thing is he doesn't walk anyone, and he just fits the exact profile of a Scott Harris pitcher. His walk rate was ridiculously low, astronomically low in the NPB this past season. And... I, I, I really, really like I, what I don't want. Let's, here, let's be honest with these, with each other. All right. What I don't want to happen is for me to get super excited that this is going to happen. And then him to sign with like the Cincinnati Reds, 
and, and I'm just like absolutely devastated. That's what I don't want. And I certainly don't want to be like the ringleader for that feeling being put on like the listeners of this show either. So I'm trying to like limit myself and not get too ahead of myself, um, which I, I know some people called me out for yesterday as maybe getting too ahead of myself, which like fair enough. Um, but uh, but I, I I really do think that the Tigers can then go get a guy like him. And then the creative thing to do would then look and go, okay, we have a plethora of starting. I've said plethora 80 times this episode. We have a lot of starting pitchers that we're like relatively confident in. Let's go take one of the starting pitchers, Matt Manning, Reese Olsen, Wilmer Flores, one of the guys that are uh, lower in the rotation in the totem pole of this rotation. We'll also take one of the outfielders that isn't a long-term piece, Beerling, Badu, et cetera. Let's go find a third baseman that a team is willing to move that's either like on the verge of making the majors or has four or five years of team control because Badu has four and, and Manning still has three. I, I think that it just makes all the sense in the world for and even if it's not Imanaga, okay, so let's just let, let's just throw that out the window. Let let's just it's not going to be one of the Japanese pitchers, okay? Let's just let's just pretend and, and say that the Tigers have no interest in Imanaga. Yamamoto is is not happening; he's too expensive, okay? So let, let's even just like shoot that down. Even if they went out and they didn't get a super long term option at starting pitcher, uh, let let's say they they signed. Uh, Michael Waka or Seth Lugo or Lucas Giolito or I, I mean, honestly, like Frankie Montas, who like I, I would be totally fine with uh, Sean Manaya, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like you don't go down the list here. Let's even Luis Severino. I know some people uh, want to take that as like a reclamation project. Let's even say they go out and they do that. You can still then do this. You still have the depth to be able to do that. Now, I would prefer if it was a longer term deal term wise, because you are going to, if you bring in a guy on a one-year deal and my is a two-year deal at 35 and then you trade someone like a Manning. And I think he's the most likely pitcher to get traded. But even if you don't think it's Manning, fill in the blank with whoever you want. The, all of the guys that are in question to be traded here all have a lot of years of control left several at, at a minimum three, right? if not more. So my point being, I would prefer not to sign several one and two year deals and then trade somebody with three or four years of control left because that makes the the long-term rotation a little bit shakier, right? I would rather you go out and you get Imanaga and you do sign him to a three-year deal. He's only 30 years old, three, even four-year deal, whatever you're comfortable with. And that way you're, you're replacing one years of control with, with one contract tenure, right? One contract length rather. Um, so I, I would, I would rather that from that perspective, but even if you did sign a couple of more one year deal type of guys, you could still do what I'm saying. And like, I've been the innings guy forever, like this whole off season, like, please, you need innings, you know, get as, have as many starting pitchers as you can. Um, and, and if they roll into the season with the the guys that they have currently and and they just, you know, put resources in the pen to start off the year until somebody inevitably gets hurt or, or, or Sawyer Gibson long in the minors until somebody inevitably gets hurt. Like that's fine. Uh, that that's, you know, so be it. But I think that this is a really, really unique opportunity to get really creative and address your biggest 
whole offensively. Your biggest. Again, this is just econ, baby. This is just econ. If I if I have a lot of good starting pitchers and I continue to get more and I have no third baseman, maybe if I just keep getting starting pitchers, then I can sell off the access ones that aren't going to play anyway, at least like legitimately, and, and go get a, a third baseman. And I think that that is what is so exciting to me about the Kenta Maeda deal. It's not necessarily that Maeda in a vacuum is going to, you know, like revolutionize this rotation or that he's going to win the Cy Young or be an all-star. He's going to be a middle of the rotation arm, probably at best. He's going to have around a four ERA, which is solid. That's great. Raises the floor of the rotation. We talked about that yesterday. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that be, but it's, it's the, it's the, the ripple effect. It's the collateral not damage, but like the collateral effect of the signing that that gets me so excited. Both of these Japanese pitchers that are on the market have said that they want to go somewhere where uh, another Japanese player is playing or that like has a history of signing Japanese players. So you're putting your, you're at least throwing your hat in the ring for those two guys. And even if those two aren't realistic, you're at least throwing your hat in the ring for one of these other free agents. You want Jordan Montgomery. We talked about him a little bit last week. It's just, it's such a, uh, and it's not easy. That is not the word, but it, it's, it's such a, 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 a such a, a concrete path to bolstering your rotation, making your rotation even better while also addressing your like blatantly obvious, massive, Milky Way galaxy sized hole that is third base currently. I I, I really want this one. <laughs> I really want it. I really want it. I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And, and I think that it's a brilliant way, if it's pulled off well, a brilliant way to address a, a bat, a position of need. In a weak free agent class, which has been what what I have at least been asking of this front office for the last two months. This free agent class sucks. How are you going to be creative? That was my big issue with Avila. With the previous regime, it was there was no creativity. It was just trade off all the guys with five and a half years of control at the trade deadline and, and start over again next year and see if anything changes. And it never did. Oh, I I want this one, dog. I want it. And and I and I really do like Imanaga if that is the route they go. Again, there, there's plenty of starting pitching out there. there. There's good starting pitchers out there. And Imanaga is not the 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 ace ceiling that Yamamoto is, right? But you could lock up a solid middle of the rotation arm on a three to four year deal, right? Even if he's not a two. Right, locking down a, a three in a rotation on a four-year deal, guy that fits your profile exactly, is probably going to age well because he's not velo reliant. Uh, I think that it makes a lot of sense. But again, even if you don't like Imanaga and, and you want one of the other starting pitchers, my point still stands. Okay, I think I'm talking in circles at this point. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in. 
every day. We will be back tomorrow, as always, continuing the off-season conversation. Uh, winter meetings is next week, I believe, once we get into December. That's when a lot of trades will happen. Uh, so that's gonna, that, that is, like, I, I'm such a nerd. But, like, winter meetings is legitimately, like, my favorite week of the year. I, I just do nothing but have MLB Network on and, and Twitter, X, whatever it's called these days, open and I'm just living for the the hour to hour updates that that comes with winter meetings. It is so unbelievably fun, and uh, I would expect a couple of more signings to happen before winter meetings, so that the, the the middling tier players can kind of somewhat set the market. Sonny Gray now, obviously a big name, 24, 25 mil AAV. Some of these guys are going to be more of market setters and set the table for uh for, for some of the big guns and some of the big moves that are going to be made this offseason during winter meetings and immediately following winter meetings as well all right cool we'll have all the coverage here baby let me know what y'all think uh if i'm just completely off base if if you agree uh if you have your own way of like uh, a different path here that i didn't talk about today of still improving some of the needs that this team has, please be my guest. I, I got into this industry because I love talking ball and bouncing ideas off each other. So, um, yeah. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.